0: Core value number eight, prayer has power because prayer is communing with God and God has power. Prayer has power because by faith in Christ we know God and God has power, so prayer has power. Amen. We are looking at how we love others as a church. And we want to remember today as Northern Life Baptist Church, as we've already said in this service, that we can do more than just love people practically. We can love them with a supernatural power by the grace of God through prayer. One of my favourite stories growing up was the one that uh, Phil read for us. A bunch of mates love their friend so much who is paralysed that somehow they get him on top of the roof and they work a way to remove the tiles in such a way and with great spatial awareness, they lower precariously their mate somehow through the tiles And make it down just right in front of Jesus. And Jesus stops and takes notice of this man and ministers in the power of the Spirit. Verse 17 of Luke chapter 5 says that the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick Verse 19 tells us they did an excellent job executing their plan. They lowered him right down, right in front of Jesus amongst the crowd. And then verse 20 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. But that statement was in the context of a bunch of somewhat hostile people. Verse 21 says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, these Pharisees are not elected religious leaders. They're like a political religious pressure group. They are probably akin to an extreme Muslim group who are trying to bring in an extreme version of the old Jewish Torah, the Old Testament law. And they are checking out Jesus as a potential leader of another pressure group. It's like they've met And they are very quick to expose him as the wrong version of God's new revolution. These guys, these Pharisees, they don't take prisoners. They're a nasty bunch. And let me read from verse 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. Obvious, I think, when you look around the world. It just happens that Jesus had spent 40 days in God's presence, fasting and praying in the wilderness in the lead up from Luke chapter 4 to this encounter. He's prayed up, as it were. Prayer has power. Of course, anyone can say, Your sins are forgiven. But stand up and walk, that's cause and effect science. That is provable right there in front of your face. In the 21st century, as we love others in Jesus' name, may we at Northern Life not neglect helping people in the power of the Spirit's Last week we talked about core value number seven, find out, help out, where we, we want to listen to people, to understand what their needs are and then help them. But so often people's need is a spiritual need that requires a supernatural answer. Because prayer has power, we desire to minister in the power of the Spirit. What do you think about <clears throat> this statement as an overarching um Summary of history. Jesus' ministry was marked by supernatural power. That's pretty obvious. The disciples' ministry was marked by supernatural power. Today you've heard some examples, but I wonder how it sits with you, that the church is marked by supernatural power, God's power to his glory. Well, everybody here sitting here has a filter. And you hear those statements through that filter, don't you? So I wonder what your life experience has been. What sort of filter do you have when we make a statement that Jesus ministered in supernatural power from the Lord, that the uh, early church, the disciples did, and read countless books? It it has happened throughout history, and there are people here in this room who can testify to God's supernatural power. But what about you? How does it come to you, that statement? We all have a filter. The denomination that we've spent most of our time in, the denomination we grew up in and were young adults in, will affect it, don't you reckon? We get shaped so much by our experiences. And you know what? Some of our experiences have been profoundly painful. And even talking about, even hearing uh, Richard and Rachel talk about Successful prayer can have prompted a pain inside of your soul where you feel like walking out of this room, and I hope we can feel for each other in that because this is a a complex thing to to grapple with for me, I feel fortunate to have witnessed as an eyewitness god 's supernatural power bringing healing. Um, in this country and certainly when I was a young adult in India and um, many times in different parts of Africa. And I would say I've seen more of that happen overseas. I have. Um, Leanne and I have seen that prayer has power through instantaneous, God-intervening healing power in our family. And I'm sure many of you have. You're praying for healing for your family and it's wow, wow. That is undeniable. God has acted within my history. And, and we have seen, I can testify, to having enormously challenging reconciliations issues in our family, our wider family. And, and Leanne feeling led by the Lord to pray for a month. And she prayed for a month and he had forgotten that she was still praying in a way. It was part of her routine. And at the end of the 31 days, the family was together having a meal and there was reconciliation happening. It was incredible. Some of you know that. You've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in the local church. I've seen a sick local church become healthy. And I believe it's from the power of God's grace accessed through request god would you come help us see what's stopping you moving here in our church but you know what i've seen many more times where personally i've prayed and it just doesn't seem like anything's happened one of the most disappointing times ever in my life was learning to um, do pastoral care with a wonderful elder at a church and we would anoint people with oil and i said max Tell us, just fill us with faith. How many times have you seen someone healed? He said, oh, I've never seen anyone healed or anointing with oil. (laughs) That's not the testimony of many of you here. But it's a reality that we live in a world where sometimes God just doesn't seem to do what we think he will do. Whatever your experience, I want to put to you in Jesus' name what our third core value states. God speaks and we want to listen. Amen. Because no matter what your filter is telling you now as you hear these words, I want to say to you in Jesus' name pick up your Bible, and the Bible talks about God intervening in this world supernaturally. He can do things that are wonderful and extraordinary and almost unbelievable, but He can. As Mary said, "All things are possible with God. Let me um, read to you some of the texts that we grapple with in this whole area of prayer has power. God can intervene supernaturally when we find out and we want to help out and there 's something there 's nothing more we can do but we say let 's ask God to do something crazy." Mark 11, verse 24, and hopefully you can see these up here. Therefore I tell you, Jesus says, whatever you ask in, for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Put the caveats all around it, I know. I know. But it's, it's there. John fourteen thirteen, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. John 15, verse 7. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And some of you who are great biblical scholars say, you should be putting that into context. And I want to say, yes, I agree. Spend an hour, do the study, put it into context. And I promise you, you will still be left with a disturbing and somewhat curious reality that he said those words. And you're still left going, anyone with me? Well, you put it in context, and it's still a challenge. Uh, we get a, um, a little bit of an understanding of the nuanced reality of these promises in 1 John 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, <clears throat> we know that we have what we ask of him. So there's this caveat, oh, ask According to his will. Matthew 7 is particularly clear. Jesus gives us a range of different invitations and promises. We studied this last year. Matthew 7, Jesus says to the crowd Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. All over the place, about followers of Jesus accessing this supernatural power through prayer and walking with the Lord. Jesus says in Matthew 7, Ask whatever you need, and He will give you it. But then there's this wonderful um, uh, explanation and I guess restraint where He says, But your father in heaven is supremely good. So if you ask for a snake, I know I'm changing it around, but this is what he means. If you ask for a snake, your father is not going to give it to you. Isn't that good to know? So if you ask for a stone, he's going to go, you can't eat a stone, you need bread. But the challenge is knowing that sometimes we ask for things that aren't good for us. Amen? Amen. He says, if you ask for bread, he'll give you a stone. But he also means if you ask for a stone, you can rely on him being so good and so loving that he won't give you that stone. So how do we respond to some of these? There's so many more challenging scriptures about the power of prayer. What filters do you have and what do they look like? I thought about it and I thought, I think this covers the spectrum and we'll have all these in our room today. Some of you sit here and you hear these verses and you say, no miracles for today, and I have a watertight argument from Scripture. It was just for the New Testament. The gifts and the miracles stopped, and it just doesn't happen anymore. Praise the Lord. If, that's, if that works for you and it's liberty of conscience, exercise as a good Baptist, fantastic. Some of us think, you yeah, know, it could be. Maybe I could pray, but it's just not likely. It never, it almost never happens. So someone asked to pray for me, and I'm like, oh, I suppose you could. Like, I won't ask you to put your hand up, but a lot of us would be in that category probably. It's like, you yeah, know, God could do anything, but I'm not really expecting it. There's others of us at number C or letter C. It should be. We should be able to access God's power, and when he doesn't, God is good. When he doesn't act, I'm going to believe that God is good. And then there's D, it will be and if not, there's a lack of faith. Right? It's, it's like sort of name it and claim it. It's, it, it, it. The power of prayer is there. He said to ask for it and you'll receive it. So I'm just going to keep claiming it no matter what. Um, that might sound a bit simplistic, but I think it covers some of it. I, I wonder where you end up. I'll declare my colours I'm an advocate for position C. I think C makes the most sense. I think we should always be expecting God's supernatural, powerful hand to work. And when it doesn't work out like we think, I want to believe my dad in heaven is good no matter what. I'm not even talking about it. I'm not even arguing. I'm not discussing it. I'm not open for discussion. He is good. He's sovereign and good. I asked him because he asked me to ask. And if he doesn't want to give me that, I'm going to say it must be a stone. I thought it was bread I asked for, but it must be a stone. Why? Because my dad's good. He is just good to the core. And that brings us to a lot of what Christianity is about, isn't it? Can I trust that I have a good father in heaven? When John Piper was reading out that prayer, he talked about, Hallowed be thy name the one who is King and Father. Did you hear that line? He is sovereign over the universe, but he's my Abba, Father. I I really believe we see Jesus' plan of handing over authority to the church very clearly in the Gospels, and that's why we need to be sitting in either C or D. I think D goes too far, but I think we, we need to be in a place of, no, we expect the authority and the power of God to be available To those who walk closely to the Lord, Luke nine. I'm going to just quickly move around the Bible a bit. Luke nine, verse one. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus' plan was always to come from heaven to earth and then inspire and um, win a group of people who would be fishers of men and women. He wanted to build a church, to give birth to a church who would end up being his body and do his works. And that's what he started to do. He sent out the 12. It would have been an exciting time, wouldn't it? He's come to earth. It's like, okay, guys, I'm giving you a badge. What's the badge? It's a deputy badge. The name of Jesus. I'm not going, but I am going. I'm going with you. You're going in the name, not of the law, but the name of Jesus. So go and experience the power of God's grace, the power of prayer. And then they came back and they were successful. The 12 came back and they, wow, that was amazing. So what did he do next? He sent out 72. 36 teams of pairs. Luke 10, verse 1. After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town, hey, wouldn't it have been cool to be alive then and be one of those two? Having Jesus go, there you go, John. Have a go. Thanks. Thanks, Lord. (laughs) You know there's no difference to today because Jesus is just as alive as is us being there in the first century. He's... He's with us and um, it says, After the Lord appointed 72, sent them out two by two ahead of them to every town he was about to go to, he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Go! Exclamation mark. The 72 returned with joy and said, Wow, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And so it's working. The plan of the ages, where God would send His Son to empower a church to do the works of the Father in the name of the Son through the power of the Spirit. It's actually starting. It's what the plan was always, Ezekiel 36, 26. I'm going to take you away your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit inside of you, and my spirit will teach you to walk according to my statutes, not trying to follow the law outside, but from inside. This was the plan of the ages. You read about it in Ephesians chapter 3. And then this is really interesting, Luke 10, verse 18. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven when the 72 came back. When, it, when Satan saw that the authority had been given and it was working, the church were moving by faith in that power, it's like Jesus could see in the, in the supernatural. Satan fell like lightning. It's like his doom was sealed. He says in verse 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Something significant happened there. In the movement of the church, in the movement of God's um, plan to empower a church with a power that was more than just giving a glass of water. The spiritual power of the gospel going forth. But this is again what's interesting. They come back with all this joy because they've been involved in this powerful ministry. Prayer has power. Luke 10 verse 20 says, Jesus says, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't miss that line. As we talk about, as a relatively conservative church, I know, we talk about, yeah, we want to be amongst the power of prayer. We want to be amongst God ministering supernaturally. That we reach people and their lives are changed and our lives are changed. When Jesus sees a church all excited about that, he wants to just stop and say, don't forget your first core value known and loved that's what this is all about amen don't rejoice I've got power no rejoice that your names are written in the book of life rejoice that God loved you enough to choose you as a child and so it's out of this intimacy that we find power and that's what we see here in Mark chapter 9 verse 29 gives us an insight into where Supernatural power in the grace of God really comes from. A man came to Jesus with his son, very disturbed son. is affected by an evil spirit and Jesus ends up healing him. And then after the incident was over, we read in verse 28, Mark 9, 28. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. But you know the weird thing? Look at Jesus when he ministers in the power of the Spirit. He almost never stops and prays. He almost never stops and says, Lord, just wondering, like if it's your will, just want to bring this person to you. We always have to fill it with a couple of sentences. You know? It's like he's walking along and, and, he, and he sees a need and he, he ministers. Now we know that he's God. But he's also fully human and he's also giving us a model of what it means to be fully human. There, I think, is something there going on. If you go back just before that encounter, the disciples couldn't deal with this troubled, um, um, spirit-affected boy. They couldn't deal with it. Jesus says this kind can only come out through prayer. But Jesus doesn't stop and pray. But what happened just before this encounter? Look in the Bible. He's up on the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. He's just prayed up. He's spent time with the Father. And what did the Father say to him up there? He says to the other prophet, Moses and Elijah, look, this is is the one you should be listening to, basically. Follow him. He's affirmed. And I think it gives us a wonderful picture of coming out of intimacy with the Father where we are affirmed by his grace, nothing in us but just the grace of God that we are a child of the living God. It's out of that place that we have power. And we talked about in um, the core value number three, God speaks, we listen, that really the highest level of hearing God is that still small voice. Never counteracting the scriptures, but when we are marinated in the scriptures as we walk we should be expecting the spirit of god to give us the mind of christ and be guided as we walk amen that's what we're shooting for that we we are we love the word of god so we are living it it's flowing through us we are abiding in in christ we're walking in the spirit as galatians and romans says and then there are these times as jesus knows now's the time to pray for a supernatural intervention by God. I think a lot of the time we don't do that. We just wander along and we're not aware of what God is up to and it's always God's agenda we need to be aware of. What does James say? The prayer of who avails much? The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's saying the prayer of someone who's walking close with the Lord. How's this? And we're nearly finished. How's this for an example of this? Acts 3, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, note the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth, who was uh, being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, find out, help out. Easily, you give them some money because that's what we should do, like a good Samaritan. He asked for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said those classic words, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped his feet, began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They were walking up at the time of prayer. If you look at what they were doing before this event, they were prayed up. They're in the spirit. They're walking closely with the Lord in conversational intimacy and the Spirit of God on this occasion says, don't offer them silver or gold. Don't just help out in that way. Minister in the power of the Spirit, which will take faith. So last week the Good Samaritan, he stopped and gave bandages, oil, money, a donkey ride, but not this time. Find out, help out. Involved ministry in the power of the Spirit. Silver or or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth' walk. The encounter with the lame man ended in verse 10 with wonder and amazement. It says, "They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Does anyone remember what happened at the end of the encounter with the guy coming through the, the roof? Luke 5 verse 26. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. The question that we should ask is, does God still want to do remarkable, amazing, extraordinary things for his children? Northern Life Baptist Church, may we become... More and more, by God's grace, the sort of church who believe that prayer has power, long-term prayer has power, instantaneous, spirit-guided prayer has power. May we be a church who gather together on Sundays and on other days with an expectation that by faith today we might see remarkable things, amen?